One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Four Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar, the story of our fleet. This is where we answer all the deep questions about Star Wars and maybe do a little fun speculating, and we're going to get deep today. But with me, as always, is Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa. I'm thrilled to be here. Mm-hmm. I am thrilled as well. Now, guys, <laughs> uh, in a couple days, we got a big anniversary coming up for Star Wars. Yeah. Yes! 40 years ago, Sgt. Pepper taught the band to play. <laughs> and do mashups with Star Wars. <laughs> May 25th, 1977. I remember it well. All of uh, just over one years of age. <laughs> Swaddled in a blanket in the back of my parents' VW van watching Star Wars, as it was just called then, in a drive through in Orange County, California. Yeah. It's where my journey began. Yeah. Where I, were you, Joseph? Where, I was sentient. I was alive. <laughs> I was alive and barely aware. Barely aware of reality. Right. Uh, I, I think I saw it in 78. So I think I did indeed see A mm. New Hope because I think that's when, I could be wrong, but I think yeah. that's when 
the title was added the, the next year yeah. for the re-release. Right, mm. right, right. The good old, yeah, that's how you watch things back in the day. The re-releases in theaters. Yeah. Right. Not on the beta tapes. Small like town that. in northern Minnesota. And R2 was at the theater. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Aww. That's great. Says they took that long to come way up north. <laughs> <laughs> and Jennifer, you... Fortunately for you, are younger than these two old men sitting here. Yeah, with you. pains well, me to admit my age. <laughs> no, I was not born yet, but my dad went and saw it in yeah. theaters, and boy, was he, he said it just—it was revolutionary for him. And he was like, he was waiting for you to come into the world. Didn't even know yeah. yet, Aww. but he's like, I, I, I want Jennifer around so I can talk to her and teach her about Star Wars, right? Yes, and that he did. He did not realize the passion would burn so many years after. <laughs> and if you're listening to the show on the day that it is out, right? Now, uh, we're going to have a very special databank brawl, Joseph, in commemorative uh, spirits for the 40th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Databank brawl just happens to be dropping. It's every Thursday, and it's going to be dropping on May the 25th. So we figured, why not have a New Hope specific? It's going to be two favorite characters, two classic characters from the original Star Wars movie, fighting. That's going to be tough. Those yeah. are always tough. Mm. Yeah. Dedimink is tough. Well, like I said up top, we're, we're going to get uh, deep today. Sometimes we like to do that. Sometimes we like to talk about Bistan and what he's going to, you know, uh, what do what we have done if he had a better chance to survive in Rogue One. We talk about Beezer Fortuna. We talk about all the fun things here in Force Center <laughs> and the Force Center <laughs> podcast feed. But we like to get deep. We like to talk about big themes. And uh, we got one here today, Joseph, that's... Uh, I don't want to say near and dear to your heart, but yeah. you know, you wear black a lot. You might be a little goth at heart. I'm a, I'm a little goth. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A little, I'm a little goth at heart. I'm a very optimistic goth. <laughs> like everything's black and bleak, but it'll probably get better. That's pretty much uh, what should be tattooed on my soul. Uh, no, this is one of those things that I, I just do. Honestly, even as much as we get to talk about Star Wars, I find myself just staring off into space thinking. Mm. Uh, and this was one that's like, oh man, I really want to talk uh, to my Star Wars friends about this. Yeah, and it is not necessarily a new thought, but I wanted to present it in a way that we could discuss it, about life and death and morality in Star Wars. Right. In the world of Star Wars, uh, death is viewed by our heroes as unfortunate, but necessary. Mm -hmm. And just functionally, the story of Star Wars has always been, there's no question that we, the good guys, Mm -hmm. must end our foes. So everyone went dancing out of A New Hope when it came out saying... What a simple movie about black and white issues. It's not complicated. And over the years, we all make the jokes of like, yeah, they're terrorists. They blew up a government (laughs) facility and killed millions of people. Right. Uh, So there's all those shades to it. And now we talk about it more in great terms. But practically, I think it's interesting that Star Wars is a science fiction genre story where that is not a huge issue for the heroes. In Mm -hmm. so many stories... You watch uh, superhero stories. You watch uh, Doctor Who, often in Star Trek. A big part of it is the heroes cannot kill. Mm-hmm. That's the line that they cross. Right. And that's what we debate when, like, oh, Batman or Superman are too violent in movies. Superman kills someone. That's not Superman. Superman doesn't kill. Um, and Star Wars, interestingly, just sidesteps that and still manages it to present itself as, like, a, a fun, light, summer popcorn movie for kids Mm. where the characters are all like, yes, murder is necessary. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a part of how we operate. So when you look at the story, Mm. is that, do you see it as uh, great? We get a break from the, oh, I can't, I can't kill. I'd be just as bad as you. Or when you think about it that way, does it overcomplicate Star Wars for you? What are you guys just sort of initial thoughts about these ideas of morality in Star Wars? 
I'll start. Mm-hmm. I added Jennifer because uh, I. It's weird as I'm listening to hear you hear, hearing you describe this, Joseph. I'm like, yeah, I don't like any of those other things. I love Star Wars. <laughs> what does it say about me? But it also does it. I I, I kind of. I think the world is gray, full of gray, but I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that sometimes believes to have peace, you must have war. I'm kind of one of those guys. I, I worked in a kind of a quasi-law enforcement world where I, yeah. I had to arrest me. The end of this journey is you in handcuffs. So I have this kind of approach where if you want to get to this point, you're going to might at some point do something about it. Yeah. And I don't know if that came first and then Star Wars helped me understand that because I, I just always had that thing growing up. You're going to fight. This is going to fight. And I'm not pro-war. I'm not. Yeah. I, I understand the atrocities of it. Uh, I am not one to jump into that quickly. But Star Wars was part of that. I was attracted and still am attracted to the war of Star Wars. Yeah, it's half of the title. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I sh- yeah, go and, ahead. and, and, and Star Trek I never took to because there's a lot of talking and they're trying to discover new things and whatever. <laughs> when are they fighting? Just arrest someone, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Yeah. And uh, I should say that as always with these big ideas, uh, you know, maybe we'll say a little bit about our personal feelings of the mm-hmm. real world. But also, you know, I think there's a great thing about things like Star Wars is they let us sort of safely play with these ideas. Yes. And maybe our opinions about Star Wars translate to reality. Yeah. And maybe they don't. Sometimes they do. Yeah, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah, Jennifer, what are, what are you, what's your general thought? It's interesting because it's very complicated because I think about George Lucas and how he changed Han Solo shooting first. Right. Because of the fact that he felt like the hero mm-hmm. should not initiate that, right? So, right. Th- so that's why... Or that the Jedi should not seek revenge. Right, right, exactly. But at the same time, he's of that generation, the baby boomer generation. We know mm. that he drew a lot of inspiration from war films. He's kind of, you know, from, from the victor's yeah. perspective. Yeah. So, um, gosh, it's something that I'd never really thought about until as I've gotten older. And I'm right. going to share these movies with my daughter. And right. like we were talking about before we started this, uh, Ken, you brought up about, you know, the, that we see f- from the very beginning people dying. That's that can be very dark for a child to yeah, see. Yeah, and what it, what it was. So like Jedi was the first one I was, I, I really was exposed to. Um, all jokes aside, but New Hope is the first. I don't remember it. So Jedi yeah. was the first. <laughs> there's a lot of death. There's the the, the death of a father characters, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But what really struck me is going back to watch New Hope and the opening moments of New Hope and seeing these unnamed. Uh, work-a-day rebel soldiers running to a, a hallway, taking up a position of, of not great cover and facing off against certain doom. Yeah. And now seeing Rogue One, you got in the back of their head, they're like, oh, we know what happened to Charlie, yeah. Ted, um, and, and whoever, <laughs> you know, Bob, who had the, the, the data plans. I was somewhat terrified as a child. I had this, uh, th- that scene was perhaps one of the most tense scenes. And the look on that old rebel with the bushy eyebrows that they push in on that face that I always thought was Han Solo's cousin, um, scared me as a child. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and rewind. He looks just like Harrison Ford enough that I thought as a young seven-year-old, oh, it must be like Han's cousin. The guy who kind of scrunches his face yeah. is like, well, this is going to happen? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Weird That's moment. Great. Huh? Oh. But that scene... As a child, I had, I want to say night, nightmares, I was telling Jennifer off air, like, as a child, you sometimes, you see the whole world as it's opening up in front of you, and you think, at one point I'm going to be in court because I'll be sued, I might be in jail, like, what, you get, everyone goes to jail once, right, is that something that happens, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you know, am I going to be in some sort of 
hallway waiting for my death. I was terrified as a kid. Oh, okay. I was. Ter- it it really affected me in that kind of way. Sorry, mom and dad, you didn't know. Um, but I would I would think about that scene a lot. There was a lot of tension in my my chest and 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 soul as a child watching these soldiers have to face off against someone who I knew because I'd seen Jedi was this big, bad, powerful, evil creature. Right. So as soon as you saw him, you're like, guys, it's over. It's over. And to know, to feel what it's, what is it like to know that you're kind of sacrificing yourself for what? A little tiny ship with some droids? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not knowing. So, yeah, so it's big stuff. Star Wars has that big stuff. And as a child, yeah, and Jennifer's like, my child is never going to watch Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but it is this kind of development as a child that you begin to realize, oh, there are bigger things in me. There are greater mm-hmm. threats. My daughter is just experiencing this right now where she's like, I scared, I scared. She thinks that there's a wolf under her bed. She's not even two yet. Wow. Isn't that the craziest thing? But this is like a developmental thing that trying to understand understand what is real and what is not and so yeah yeah, thinking about the films and how much death there is in star wars Mm -hmm. with obi-wan kenobi this beloved character Mm -hmm. and they kill him off which as we know was marshall lucas's idea Mm -hmm. uh recommending that to george but i'm getting off topic sorry you know no no i think uh we should always pause and give marsha credit from time to time (laughs) absolutely (laughs) yeah and i think i've told the story before about how i you really used obi-wan to process the idea of heaven because i asked my mother where Mm. heaven was and she said up so then i had luke rescue (laughs) obi-wan from (laughs) the top bunk by throwing his grappling hook Still up. one of my favorite like, I mean, it's it's weird and cute and that, but it's, a, I think, a good example of uh, it's not necessarily bad to have the movies full of death because there are opportunities mm-hmm. to process. Right. And that's generally the reaction that I've gotten uh, when I talk to parents, and I think I've seen a lot of people, some fans of ours, responding on social media when these issues mm-hmm. come up, that it, Star Wars seems to be in this special place where... Uh, maybe because it's beloved or maybe because of the way it handles death and morality Mm, mm -hmm. that I have heard anecdotally from a lot of parents that, well, it's an opportunity to discuss. Right. It's a way to present it. Do you feel that way, Jennifer, when you're thinking of preparing your daughter for being old enough to understand what's happening in the movies? Absolutely. And I think... I think the the notion of the force and that we we you know see Obi Wan later on and, we, and even though you know Yoda dies we see we see all these characters come back at the Ewok Jamboree like that they're still there they're not totally gone so mm-hmm. it's kind of a way like you're talking about you know this notion of heaven it's like it's okay mm-hmm. our heroes are still around even yeah. though they're not yeah right. and right. now how do you feel about the larger idea that I think is at the the core of death in Star Wars, exactly what you were talking about, Jennifer, about the Han change. Mm -hmm. That Han wouldn't shoot first. I can't believe we're going to have a serious philosophical question (laughs) about Han shot first, but that's what it comes down to. Han shot first. Obviously, the Jedi code that we do see uh, get played out a lot where the Jedi give you multiple warnings and then they take a limb and then they end you Mm. because as Mm. you were saying about the handcuffs, from a Jedi's perspective, you're a threat. This is how the story is going to end. Right. It's funny, in, in, in that line of work, it's called the use of force continuum, and now it's literally the use, use of, of force, force continuum. continuum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there seems to be a, a, a moral thread from all the good guys, whatever you think of the change to Han Shot First, where it's, they accept that they must kill, mm-hmm. but they never want to do it first. It's yeah. only reactionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you feel like... How do you guys feel about that? Is that being a, a part of the Star Wars galaxy? Does it make I sense it, to you? Does it trouble you? It does. I think it's one of the better parts of what's going on in the story. And mind you, going to my first con- first thoughts on, on war and Star Wars, I mean, George Lucas clearly very not 
a pro-war guy. And yeah. This right. was written in the Vietnam era, and there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So uh, this is a conversation starter probably for young kids. Is like, here's what can happen, and here's what they, but But part of that in that is is the Jedi saying the Sith are more like, I don't like you. You're dead. Boom, heads off or whatever. You know what I mean? You get that sense. The Sith yeah. are going to use their powers for their means, and the Jedi, we can't fight cannot fight a war for you. We can only protect you. And I, and I like that. I think that is one of the important things because, um, as again, as I make the comment of true peace, sometimes you have to have war. Like, that shouldn't be your first thought. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. You, there's steps to get to that or, or steps you should exercise before you have to get to that. So I think that's an important lesson and what maybe Lucas was trying to say with the Jedi. Now, yeah. it's complicated later on and this and that and who, you know, blah, 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 and the prequel questions about the failing of the Jedi Order. But at the base level, I think it's one of the bigger positive things about Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I think in some way they are, it is a story of pacifism, especially the original trilogy. Luke wins ultimately mm-hmm. by throwing down his lightsaber right. and saying it's not worth it. I would rather yeah. die. But then, of course, he does ultimately win because through throwing his lightsaber down, Darth Vader's like, yeah, I'll kill him. <laughs> so I'll take care of that. Right. So I mean, it is it is a story and a triumph yeah. of uh, of uh, being a pacifist, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's great. I think it's one of the best parts about Return of the Jedi. But then there is that almost narrative storytelling where sometimes that the threat needs to end, mm-hmm. and that's what happens in a lot of these uh, stories, like Star Trek and Doctor Who and superheroes. Of like, the character won't kill the person. Mm-hmm. But the person in their evil will accidentally trip, or right. another uh, somebody who's supporting the hero in Doctor Who, the unit, uh, the military force on Earth. The doctors mm-hmm. all, often like, "I won't kill you," and then a huge blast comes from behind him, and the the bad guys are still dead. Right. So there's this sort of a narrative trap where the death is going to come right. anyway, just narratively. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think it's good that Star Wars? for the most part, makes its characters, its primary characters make the decision themselves. Yeah. Instead of sort of yeah. narratively passing the buck to a side character. I think that it makes it, that's what makes it so real and what allows these teaching moments, right? Mm-hmm. So as opposed to just, oh, if you're a bad person, somewhere, somewhere, you might trip on a rock and break your neck. Like, no, that's not mm-hmm. real. <laughs> Han you know? Solo might push you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the reality is, is that you have this, this order, the Jedi order and this community in a sense of wanting to protect each other. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, if you keep doing bad things and you're going to threaten the greater good, right. we're going we're gonna to have to take you down. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like there, there is some sort of law and order. It's like the world that we live in now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if you go and, and kill someone, you're, you're going to get arrested. Right. Because you are a threat to... Right, more people. We're, we're going to the Star Trek thing, and I, you know, I wish Scott Mance was here to break down Star Wars, uh, Star Trek with me here. But um, it's it is one of the things why I was never drawn too much into Star Trek. I think Star Trek is what the world could be or what it should be, and there's yeah. a lot of great social commentary and has been from the beginning of Star Trek. Uh, it, it's important, and that and I never take that importance away from it. But I, I as a fan, have just always been like. I just didn't gravitate to phasers on stun, man. Okay. <laughs> I know, again, maybe that says things about me. I, I just, I, 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 I like, the, the action is just fun on an action level, but I like the idea of taking up arms against our oppressor here. And that's one of the things I've always drawn from, from Star Wars. Again, again, it's, it's in a weird areas, but, but it's, 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 
It's part of it. it yeah. For me, I like that the Rebel Alliance does what they feel they have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was oh, it always right? We're hearing stories now. We're reading Lost Stars. We've got Inferno Squad, where you're starting to learn more about the people in the Empire. Bodhi Rook was just a dude working a job. Yeah. He had the insignia on. And that raises a lot of more wonderful questions. I say time and time again, I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones, as, as a lot of people are. And it's like, I love... I love that Jamie Lannister is the worst guy in the world until you realize he's not, and he's just conflicted. So I like yeah. a lot of that stuff. And so going to your original question, yeah, I, I'm glad. Only the stormtroopers put their guns on stun at any point in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a good perspective because it is just sort of cutting to the chase. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of like very specific situational moments because I, I think that sure. is what, what uh, is powerful. Like Rogue One, you have the general power of what you were just saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ken, of we responded to Rogue One because it's a story of people pushed too far. Yeah. Mm. And they said, nothing is worth this, so we have to fight. Right. And fighting means death. Yeah. But the alternative is unacceptable to us. Right. No, nothing set right. on stun. But then we have the example of Cassian in the beginning who mm-hmm. gets set on his journey by killing... Uh, Tivik, the informant, not in a super noble way. Right. No. From the behind, just so Cassian can get away easier. Yeah. And, I mean, and you can debate whether it's uh, necessary, but I feel like the film tells us that it is a, a not a noble killing from Cassian's perspective. It's, it's it a way out of that It's way. a part yeah. of the story right. that that killing wasn't great. Yeah. Mm. So I think, yeah, this is why I wanted to pick apart a couple of these situational ones. Sure. Uh So how do you guys feel about, uh, like, what what does that tell you? In the story, the whole story about Rogue One is you got to take the oppressor down. Mm -hmm. But then we have this little mini story of Cassian of, like, not that way. Is that good to just teach us that... Mm. Nothing is black and white. Everything is situational. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what they wanted to Mm. show. For me, I felt... I found that scene a little troubling because I don't feel like it really paid off later on. Mm. That's just my criticism of the film, although I enjoyed the film. I felt like eh, we needed to get a little bit more uh, from his character to understand that, to really see that, yeah. that wane on him. Because that was such a bold move in the world of Star Wars to see mm. someone just suddenly do that and just continue on. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel yeah. like in a different kind of storytelling, as uh, Cassian is lining up the shot on Galen Erso... Mm. He would have been, had flashes of shooting Tivik. You now know? that right. now that would have been interesting. Yes, exactly to justify it. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely what they were trying to go for. And I know I know a lot of people like Mark Ellis included like love that scene uh, with Tivik, where it was like, oh, we are seeing a rebellion who is needs to do and trying to do as much as possible to win, and that it was needed in that moment. Not I didn't. I definitely took it for escape, but also the thought that. This cream puff's gonna just roll over to the stormtroopers. <laughs> oh yeah, right, he's gonna right. say everything. <laughs> he can't climb. We'll talk. Gotta yes. go. Gotta yeah. go. And mm. I took it as that, but then I think they try and they're somewhat successful. Uh, but again, that's just how the movie came out. Where I think that is Cassian's growth. All right, and then you got Draven, who's all about this stuff. Draven yeah. is all about take him out, kill him. This is what we need to do. Has the moral dilemma. He gets to know Jin, and it's her father. Can he do it? And then at the end, he says it. Literally says, "I've done. We've all done a lot of bad things." So, you know, but again, I didn't. I don't know if it was one hundred percent earned. That's not Diego Luna's performance. Right, it, no. It's just I think how the story came out. Some of the editing, blah blah blah. Yeah, but 
uh, that's a great point about Draven because that's a that's a killing that we are told as the audience I think from the perspective yeah. of the film that that's wrong that's the yeah. bad idea uh, and from a situational perspective it is Draven just being like yeah, yeah, loose end maybe bad gotta go yeah. so it's not earned it's not right. that Jedi honor it's yeah. not that Han Solo I gotta shoot or you are gonna kill me in a second mm-hmm. it's it a is, special operative thing yeah, it's a special yes. operative thing and it's without enough information. Yes. Right? They don't have the, he doesn't have the information to make that call. So we right. as the audience representatives, that's a bad killing. And then just within story, but pertaining to his conversations, like Draven is kind of, he is known for that. He is that kind of, uh, his wing of the alliance and the intelligence wing is that they're kind of the, the hotheads that want to go do that kind of stuff. And not in the way Radis does. Yeah. Mm. Which, you know, everyone knows my thoughts on that. But it's like uh, that they, because the Rebel Alliance was not completely allied, <laughs> allied, allianced yeah. at that point. Um, you know, Draven was not not that much different from Saw in a way. And again, Saw is someone who was like, screw this, we're blowing people up. Right. And uh, that's another dichotomy to Rogue One. So Rogue One presented a lot of interesting things. It just might have been the execution, no pun intended, of, of how it played out <laughs> and stuff. But, right, but again, right. yeah, Draven is certainly not... Yeah. You just take him out. Did the Draven part of the story, was that emotionally effective to you, Jennifer, where you were... Because it was emotionally effective to me, where I was like, screw you, Draven, don't shoot... Why would you shoot right, Galen? Right, right, he might right. have information. You're jumping to a conclusion. Don't do this. That was effective to me. Did it Did it hit you? You know, I gotta, th- I gotta think about it more. I, mm. I feel like... I understand what they were trying to present with these things. I feel like they're trying to present, you know, this is war and and things are happening and, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's stakes and, and a lot of gray areas. Mm-hmm, sure. But to me, it, I, I just don't feel like it really, it didn't have as much emotional weight for me mm-hmm. um, as I would have liked it. Yeah. Or what I guess what we what we see in the other films where these mm-hmm. cas- these characters are wrestling with these life and death moments. Yep. I mean, if anything, it would have been I would have enjoyed seeing more of like a Bond-like thing. You know, if mm-hmm. Cassian's more like a James Bond where right. he's mm-hmm. like, he's doing this in the moment and he does it with a smirk and sure. you know, oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, That's, I'm just spitballing right. uh, Yeah, because I mean, a lot of the later Bond, like starting 90s and on he has, we see his conscience and he, he kills with a smirk yeah. and then he goes home and he drinks vodka and he feels bad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that to me would have been a little bit more interesting. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're Radis Love, and we all love Radis and mm-hmm. what he represents in Rogue One. But that's making me really think about uh, another sort of situational aspect uh, that plays out in Rogue One, where the spy killing mm-hmm. feels awful to them because it is quiet, mm-hmm. it's on the down low, it's dubious, it's up to every person in the moment. But then when Radis puts his flipper down <laughs> and says no, yeah, he starts. He truly starts the galactic civil war. He does, mm. and then it's like uh, it's spoken. And then yeah. it's out of the and then the the conflict is out of the dark and it's more yeah. uh, getting to well it's it's war we yeah. you did this we're saying this is unacceptable right you said no we're just going to put our boot on your throat right so now we are going to rise up we're not going to kill you in the shadows we're right. going to state right. we're coming for you right and I think Radis to would have not had Galen killed I think would have bring him in for questioning yeah because uh, that's the kind of and Draven's more the guy like figure it out uh, kill him and we'll it's one one down, um, which is why I think I like Radis a little bit more. I, yeah. I understand the Draven character a little bit, but yeah, um, I think it's uh, that it is an important moment. It is the it is the we're not just going to get you before you get us because that's that's dangerous. Yeah, um, but it is the 
this is this is the break. You cannot go back from this point. And mm. why do you we we've we've been prepared for this. This is the time. Now is the time. Uh, you know, Obi Wan says it on you, Udupa. If you have warriors, now is the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, that's what I. That's what I'm drawn to so much for that character. Uh, that that it is out of the shadows. That this, it's no longer a game of trying to stop this in some different ways. It is we have to stop this in this giant way. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that and that ties directly into what we see in the original trilogy, of course, and, and that the war has begun. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to bring up from like a situational perspective, because it's a thing we uh, talk, touched on in a recent episode about the, the mirroring in Revenge of the Sith of mm-hmm. two different characters saying to Anakin, too dangerous to be kept alive. Yeah. So we have the situation where uh, Anakin has cut Dooku's hands off. And yeah. has the opportunity to kill him or not. And, of course, Palpatine wants him to, says he's too dangerous to live. Uh, and, that, and we were presented that as, like, well, that's clearly evil. Yeah. That's Anakin's first step into doing killing for the Emperor, the soon-to-be Emperor. And then we have the reverse, where yeah. uh, where Mace Windu has Palpatine pinned. Anakin mm-hmm. wants to keep him alive to save Padme. And Mace Windu says the exact same line of he's too dangerous to keep alive. And the film kind of wants us to see those two moments as different but also wants us to see how Anakin could see them as the exact same thing. Mm. Which one is right? Yeah. Which one is right? We're informed uh, uh, that Mace might have been right because of what we know, but yeah. in that very moment, which one is right? And yeah. how can you argue for either one? Or how could, you know, uh, taking Palpatine in, you know, arresting him? Do you think shackles would have kept him? No. <laughs> mm. no. At this point, what is what it was revealed? I don't know, Jennifer. That is a great question. That's why I think the prequels does so well. Yeah. Is really kind of playing in that in that area of well, from this point of view, mm-hmm. it does seem right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so but this is Anakin's story, so you can see how he would be a little a little confused yeah. Yeah. by what he's uh witnessing. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, as we've talked about, this is from the Jedi point of view. So of right. course, they're the good guys. They're always doing the right thing. Yeah, we yeah. have to assume. And every villain is their hero in their own story. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it, it, for me in Revenge of the Sith, it comes down to the, the have to. Like, mm. Dooku, the, what, what Anakin is saying is like, I should arrest him. That's what the Jedi do. Mm-hmm. And I, no, the Jedi wouldn't complain if Anakin had not subdued him. Because it's not like Obi-Wan got back to Coruscant. It's like, hey, I cut Darth Maul in half. And they're like, why didn't you arrest both parts? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're just like, you took out a Sith Lord. Great. I'm sure it had to be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think for Anakin, it was very situational. Like, I cut off his hands. Yeah. He can't shoot force lightning out of his stumps. That we know of. Uh, that we know of. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's got force foot lightning. But I think we're trying to be, I think Lucas was trying to present, like, he's defeated. Yeah. You truly don't have to. Right. The way Obi-Wan had yes. to kill Darth Maul or be killed himself. Or Mace, mm. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we're presented like the Jedi only kill when they have to, and Anakin doesn't have to. It would just feel really, really good. good. Mm. Yeah, really good. And of course, that's why Palpatine wants him to do it. Yeah. Right. I've yeah. always tried, I, I'm always imagining them like arresting him of like, you put shackles on what? Because he doesn't <laughs> have any hands. So how do you do that? So then I think the question becomes in Mace Windu's mind in that moment, uh-huh. does Mace Windu truly believe Palpatine is so powerful? If I try to bind him, he's going to escape. Yeah. He just slaughtered three Jedi Masters. Right. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill you, Anakin. Truly, if I don't stab him this second, we're both going to die. Yeah. Or is Mace coming from a perspective of, I put the threat down before the threat gets too bad? Yeah. Mm. I mean, and Mace, is, Mace has been right all along. So yeah. I tend to go with his, uh, his uh, you know, thoughts 
his his direction there. I think I, you know, again, we're it's it's so hard to separate because we we know who the emperor is. Yeah, we know what he does. Um, yeah, that's hey man. It's almost like those prequels got some depth to them. Huh? <laughs> it's almost yeah. like those prequels raised some questions. Yeah, but I think for me, just ultimately thinking about it on on those levels, it makes me appreciate that the films take a responsibility toward life and death. Ah. It is not yes casual. Uh, that when we have those central moments that are central to characters, that there is a thought given to them. Like, sure, yeah. a bunch of stormtroopers and a bunch of rebels shoot each other sometimes because it's called Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in, when it's these intimate, personal moments, mm-hmm. there are codes, there are yeah. situations. So I think it in it lets us enjoy all this fun action, but it also lets us, uh, if we want to dive into it, think about yeah. which character is right in which moment based on what moral code is there a real world equivalent? Do I agree with it? Do I disagree with it? Mm. And I think uh, I think it's one of the things that makes the films really rich. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to talk a little bit about generally how they handle uh, life and death itself, like because we talked a little bit about uh, the morality of ending existence. Right. Fun times. Um, <laughs> so there are the different ideas about life and death that the the Sith. It's claimed to be able to keep people alive after death. We never get to actually see it, right? But it's unnatural. Right. And the Sith are like, great, two thumbs up on unnatural. I like yeah. that. Two broken, unnatural <laughs> thumbs up at unnaturally keeping people alive. And then, of course, we learn that the Jedi discover the art of staying alive through the Force if they are selfless. So how do those ideas reflect on, um, on your own ideas about life and death? Like, certainly the Jedi say, death is natural. It's part of life. Mm-hmm. And then we're presented with two different ideas of, like, well, keeping someone alive... Yeah. That's unnatural because death is a natural part of life. Right. But if you can find a way to become shimmery and helpful <laughs> yeah. to others, then it's, a, then it's right. okay to extend existence in this different way. Mm. I mean, that's amazingly um, tough and, and deep question. It ties to a lot of things. It's like I, I understand life is, uh, you know, is, is, is what it is. And we got a certain finite amount of time. But, you know, I, I want cures. I want this. And you can give me a robot hand or something like that. I'm all on board, you know. So I... I think I, I always interpret the Sith, it just was this, it was a power grab. Yeah. It, it, you know, I think there's a certain power in respecting your own life and lives of others, but just knowing that uh, uh, you got a certain amount of time and that should inform some of your decisions and how you treat other people and how you treat them and how you how you engage and have a certain gusto for life. I think knowing that it's uh, it's all... All could end is is uh, is a is a freeing thing to me. Whereas Sith are like, no, never, never, yes. never, more, 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 more life, more. more. Yes, yes. I want to eat at the salad bar as much as I want without yeah. paying extra. More. Right. It's yeah. not just that the Sith are sick and they want to get cured and they want to have that kind of stuff. It is just, yeah, they want to. Uh, I will never give up my power because that's yeah. kind of what it is. Mm. It's Plagueis going. I will live forever. And I will be the number one Sith. You'll be number two. <laughs> all else are, all everyone else are two or lower. Um, yeah. I want to live forever, yeah. so you're number two. Yeah. It's, it's evil. It's, evil. it's straight up evil. Yeah, yeah. it's evil. Uh, Jennifer, how do you how do you think about uh, how stars uh, plays with life continuing or not continuing? This is such a great question because I I'd never really thought about it in that way. That wait a minute, how come how come one is right and how come one is is not? But it's like you're saying, it's the intent. Yeah, the, the Sith have an evil intent. The reason why they want to stay alive is to 
torment and mm-hmm. gain more power yeah. and do these evil, selfish things. Whereas the Jedi, you know, they are one with the Force. They simply just fade away and become a Force ghost. And then they help come back to help their friends. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's for the greater good. Mm. It's almost like they're... Um, not sacrificing themselves, but it, it is more of a selfless mm-hmm. and giving in to the force, yeah. you know, allowing them to be taken. It yeah. also makes me think about why life and death is such a big thing with Star Wars is mm-hmm. George Lucas and how he had that near-death accident. Oh, that's a really good point. And it really, he talks about it a lot, that that changed his life dramatically, like, because he said from that point on, the way that he viewed life, he viewed it like he was living on borrowed time. And so mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why he's constantly wrestling with these these issues of life and death and what does this mean? And, yeah. you know, if you had the power to, to stay alive, would you? Or Yeah, that even goes to, like, a little bit of his attitude about the prequels of, like, well, I, I need to finish this story. Yeah. And if you ha- if he managed to retain from that life and death experience from at such a young age in that car accident, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a car accident. Was like uh, Jennifer Landa, the great Star Wars historian. That's great. <laughs> it's a, no, it's true to like bring up that perspective because it does all flow from George. Yeah. But like if he came to the prequels with that sort of like, I kind of want to do this, I kind of don't want to do this, but life is finite and I want to finish this story and yes. I'm just going to bear down and get through this. Right. Yes. And take these risks and be damned what anybody expects or wants. This is what, this is a story I want to tell. Yeah. And I want to make this Jar Jar character because <laughs> I think it's great. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, yeah, I, I find that fascinating that yeah. he saw it like living and, on and, and, time. And the, the, makes me think about what he said at Celebration of how this is for kids. And then it was like, not just because there's funny little murder bears, as Joseph says, or Jar Jar, <laughs> but because at, at 12, that's the age I'm writing to because that's when you face the world at large. And I'm helping you kind of here is the world you're entering into. I yeah. thought that was exactly. my favorite thing, George, that Celebration. Absolutely. Because he said mm-hmm. it's for kids before. And that definitely comes off as, you old biddies, you just don't <laughs> like funny, silly, Misa stepping in the poo-poo, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. But no, George would say, no, I, I, I set out, a, there's morals and the dark and the light and the path and things you'll face and war and death and all those things. And at 12, you start to really grasp that and face it at large. And I think that adds more power to what the story he, he wanted to tell. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Know? And I think uh, boiling it down to you know a simple message of like, choose your destiny. Other people yeah. are going to tell you what it is, but you, yeah. you get to decide. Uh, I know there's been a bit of a heavier theme, so I wanted to end on a question that is hopefully a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. I wanted to ask you guys, if you could become one with the Force, which you do by becoming selfless. And uh, shimmery. In shimmery. <laughs> blue, shimmery, selfless, and you got to watch over someone. Who would you want to, like, watch over? What kind of advice would you pop in to give? Would you Ugh. wait for important moments? Like, Luke, you got to go to Dagobah, or would you be like, uh, you, you look, uh, I watch these people prepare this sandwich at Jimmy John's. You don't want that sandwich. I can... I, <laughs> I see everything. You didn't see what that guy did with his hands before he made your number eight billy club. Don't eat that. Oh, man. I, uh, I, sorry, this is blank space. It's great radio. No, I'm thinking to the, I'm thinking to my time of when I was a boss. Okay. For 12 years. All right. And that's kind of a force ghost (laughs) because you're there. Yeah. But when you walk into the room, everyone shuts up. Right. And you have to say lectures at certain times. Here's what we're doing today for work. You did this wrong. But the only time 
I would let, I have a management style. I've, I let them all kind of go and I'll right. let you hang yourself. I'll give you all the rope in the world to do it. I'm not going to bear down on you. Uh, I'm going to let you and don't micromanage, but Hey, at some point you're going to come to my office and I'll, I'll sit you down when I think you've gone too far or what I think you need to do. And a lot of my discussions as a boss in that office, um, and there's a difference between a leader and a boss, but you, you need to be both at times. A lot of those discussions I had were, were Obi-Wan on a, on a log type of conversation. <laughs> okay. so like, you're making mistakes. Mm. You made this mistake by going to Bespin. We told you not to do that. You did it, but you did it, and now here's where you're at, and this is the path. And, yep, I would, you know... I would keep things from my employees because you don't need to know the higher levels. I'm making decisions with the bigger yeah. people above me. Mm. So now let me reveal that truth to you. And here's why I told you this thing, because this thing was at play behind it. And you didn't need to know that. I just needed you to do this. Right. But you didn't. And here's why, because you're not on those phone calls with the vice presidents. And here's why this. So everything is true from a certain point of view. Wow. So yeah. that, is, uh, I, that is the force ghost okay. I would be. Very, very, it. very deep, very honest. And also finally answering our friend JTE's criticism of Obi-Wan's ghost sitting yes. on a log. Why did he need to sit? Because that's some heavy stuff. <laughs> he needs to sit down for that, um, for a serious conversation. And also, I would uh, warn my, go back and warn my younger self to stay out of Del Taco a lot in the mid-2000s. <laughs> <laughs> Time-traveling, shimmery force ghost. Oh, my gosh. Jennifer, how about, how about you? Who, yeah. who would you advise and what kind of advice might you give? Right. I'm not going to say my daughter because that will get me too emotional. I'm going to say something fun. Sure. And I want to be the force ghost of all those actors out in Los Angeles. <laughs> and I, maybe it's because I saw La La Land that I'm inspired. But I would want to sit in the waiting room with them and like give them, the, give them the pep talk, be in the room when they're freaking out with the casting director. Oh, that's great. And be yeah. like, breathe. breathe. Just breathe. You got this. <laughs> what do you feel? Remember your preparation. It's all right there. Oh, Coaching nice. them through. And then when they got out, I'd be there to lift them up so they could face another day. Nice. You, Joseph? Uh, I think that I would want to appear to uh, people that I know, maybe doing similar career stuff or maybe having uh, relationship problems that I have faced because mm-hmm. I have found that one of the nice things about being older is when you have a younger friend who is going through something. Mm-hmm. And you could you can tell them your story in a way that's like, this is just my experience. Maybe your fate at these crossroads will be different. Yeah. But I was at these crossroads, and I went left. And here's what happened to me. Yeah. And maybe if I can help you skip going left because you feel like going right is the right direction... I would love to be able to do that too. I would. It would be a, a two-time appearance. Every once in a while, I would shimmer. <laughs> two-time appearance. I would shimmer into existence. <laughs> yeah. And I would be like, "If you'd like advice, let me know." Bye. And then I would disappear. <laughs> and then Bobby, only if that? they were like, "Yeah, yeah, I am trying to decide whether I really want to do stand up or maybe yeah. do uh, just do podcast or should I do stand up and podcast at the same? Is that too difficult or should I? It, how do I know this is the one to marry?" And then I would pop back up and I'd right. be like, "Well, here's what happened with me." <laughs> oh, Mass that's description. Great. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, so that is our discussion Good. of big themes in Star Wars: a uh, life and death and morality, and uh, Star Wars letting us into this big, beautiful fantasy world to wrestle with some decisions of how we want to look at the real world. Absolutely. 
Ken, I have led the main conversation. Do you yeah. want to tackle the audience questions? Absolutely. We uh, we love to take questions from you guys in the audience, and you can reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. Use the hashtag Force Center to join that conversation. Send us. I love saying join the conversation. It's my favorite like podcasty thing to say. <laughs> um, but uh, send us questions there. And also, now that we have our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Force Center, we will always be taking some questions from those supporters on Patreon. But if you are just on Twitter and Facebook, you get your voice heard as well. So we got some great questions here. Today, Alexis Garcia asks us, what if Benicio Del Toro is Eli Vanto in episode eight? Uh, Though I much prefer him to be Ezra. Thoughts on this? Eli Vanto, of course, from the Thrawn novel. Yes. Uh, And then uh, Sean Fitzgerald asked the same question. Same question. So I wanted to give him a shout out for the same question. Uh, Sean Fitzgerald at DSAL3426. Hike. Uh, He asked the same question. Uh, (laughs) Could could, uh, the Chiss leader, now Eli Vanto is not Chiss. He was sent out there uh, to the Unknown Regions um, to assume a position of power in the Chiss army. could he be Benicio del Toro, Joseph? Yeah, this is the first "Who is Benicio del Toro" theme, uh, a theory that was like, "Yeah, that's cool." Actually, I really like that. Yes, that, it totally works for me. Yes. Uh, so, if you haven't read and don't mind spoilers of the Thrawn book, is uh, a, mm-hmm. an associate of Thrawn who mm-hmm. appears to be setting himself up to be the right age, the right place, the right time that Benicio del Toro might mm-hmm. fit into the First Order. Oh. Yeah. I, actually, you're you're right. Uh, Snoke, uh, he's not Snoke, but you know what I mean. Boba Fett or Kitster or Cobb Van, they're all kind of yeah. like cute things to me. This is the first time I go, oh, yeah. Could this tie into Snoke? Yeah. When they go back to that base, I don't know. Now I I, I thought Del Toro is someone they meet on the way, so yeah. it could be. But but as, as far as theories go, Sean and Alexis, I like that. Jennifer. This is a solid one. Mm. See, I don't know who this character is because I have not read Thrawn, but I like the idea because we know he's going to have a small appearance. I like the idea of him tying of his story tying in mm-hmm. elsewhere, so we can get that backstory yeah. on him. Yeah. If he is relegated to the background. Uh, our friend uh, Dave at Star Wars Apologist at SW Apologist has a question. Now he is—he's uh, a big fan of pro wrestling, like <laughs> me, and uh, wrestling heel factions like the legendary Four Horsemen, the Heenan family, uh, the the Corporation. There's a lot there. There's a lot of shoes from. So he asks, "What are your favorite Star Wars heel factions?" The bad guys who are teamed up. Joseph, Jennifer, I'm sure I have an answer. Yeah, I know you guys don't watch wrestling as much as me <laughs> or at all, but. <laughs> Not What's your favorite much. bad guy teams? Uh, I'm going to say the, you know, the Sith seem obvious, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like the ones who are more like wrestling are the team of bounty hunters towards the end of the Clone Wars animated series. Yes. Because yeah. we see things a little bit from their perspectives where they're just trying to make it in the galaxy too, and you can see more why they'd be bounty hunters. You got young Boba Fett, you got uh, Dengar, you got all these people <laughs> teaming up. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I like that. Embo, 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 Embo the Kyozo. You know, so they're great because they also they also seem like they're all flashy, like pro yeah. wrestlers. Like you can see Embo being announced to the ring and right. throwing its hat at somebody and going Embo, Embo, Embo. <laughs> Huh. Jennifer? I like this. Oh, for going for pro wrestling, I'm going to say Jabba the Hutt and okay. Salacious B. Crumb. Oh, yeah. Can you yeah. just see, like, Salacious would be heckling, and then Jabba would just come in and do whatever signature move he has? Right. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> Big old totally headbutt. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Whooping the I'll tail. tell you, um, you know, as far as heel factions, which is usually three or more, um, yeah, you throw in some Sith. Or the First Order is growing into quite a big heel faction, but you know what I'll go with? Uh, taken out of the Four Horsemen, which was led by uh, the, the wonderful nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! I will say Sebulba. 
So Bobo was a pro wrestling type attitude, women around him, jet flying, profiling kind of lifestyle. You see him on posters everywhere else in the galaxy. I'm sure he's got an entourage with him. Uh, I'm sure he's got a a number two or number three, number four man. Some point we just haven't seen him yet. So Sebulba is my pro wrestling heel and then faction of choice. Thanks for that. Wrestling question. Yeah. Finally got a Star Wars wrestling question. <laughs> from there, we're going to go on to Patreon. This is from Nathan Furtado. Uh, he says, when do you think Disney will start expanding the timeline in the new canon? Things are getting very crowded in the years between The Phantom Menace and The Last Jedi, which is the reason I'm lukewarm about the Han Solo movie. and hope they don't follow it up with Obi-Wan's standalone film. I'd love to see them go thousands of years in the past or the future and introduce an entirely new cast of characters unconnected to the current saga. This is from Patreon, so you see you support us to get in, and you can send us some very good, well-thought-out, deep questions. Joseph, I know this one's kind of close to your heart. Yeah. We've talked about this. Yeah. What do you think? I think that Lucasfilm is really aware of it, and I think that might be one of the things holding up the 2020 decisions. Mm-hmm. My big prediction is that we are going to get, in 2020, I think we're still going to get something like Obi-Wan or Boba Fett and the Bounty Hunter, something still tied to the original trilogy era, because I think when this sequel trilogy wraps up, mm-hmm. I think the next trilogy of main films, Skywalker's saga, mm-hmm. is going to be the Old Republic. Oh. I think they know that they have such... Hu- why blow the Old Republic mm-hmm. on a quick 2020 side movie? Right. Yeah. Why not use that to say, here is our whole, whole next phase two of mm-hmm. Lucasfilm Disney. Yeah, then maybe you go way in the future. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, Jennifer. Yeah, I think that I think it's coming. I think it's coming, Nathan. That we're really going to see them start to take even more risks. Um, and it could be twenty twenty, but certainly I think beyond. Yeah. TV series. I think we're going to get a Netflix series about bounty hunters. I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. think that they're going to really. Yeah. Or who knows? Who knows where they're going to journey in the galaxy? Yeah. I, I love living in this timeline. I love living right where we are, we're at. Um, I'm okay with it, but I understand this question. I understand it being you know crunched up and we have too many things overlapping um i make the jokes but it's like we've talked about the battle of endor was like well now we know inferno squad's there singer's there uh hera's there there's a lot of things going on behind the trees we don't see and that that can get a little much but at the same time it can also be fun if it's done right so i'm okay living in this era i know we're gonna get to the past i want to get to the official past uh, meaning the, you know, the canon word, but I want to see where we're at now and what they're doing. And and, and I think we are definitely going to get there, and I'd like to see it on the big screen. I think uh, an HBO-type series, a Netflix series would make sense to me as well, too. But I think you, you're oh, right, yeah. Joseph. You, you could do that in three big movies, mm-hmm. and maybe that spins off into more TV stuff. The future is interesting. I had yeah. this question posed to me about Game of Thrones and these spinoffs. We're all looking for these four spinoffs announced, and they're, they're being developed. Uh, as the past, there's so much of the past of Westeros that you can go to in Essos and all that stuff. But what about, what if Arya goes west of west, which is what she kind of says she'll do and oh. wants to do to Lady Crane? What if you get Arya 20 years from now and she's on the other side of the world and we learn about that? And that's interesting. I just don't think about those kind of things. Yeah. So Star Wars in the way future, uh, that could be interesting. I, I, I could buy into that, Nathan. I think that's a great yeah. question. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final question today. Thomas Shalone on Patreon says, uh, besides Saw Gerrera, uh, do you think we'll see any Rogue One characters in Season 4 of Rebels? I'd love to see K2SO interact with Chopper <laughs> or Cassian go on a mission with Hera. We're going to see some big screen to animated forms yeah. of our favorite characters. 
Yeah, I think we are. Um, I would love to see Garvin Dave Drace, because mm-hmm. he makes sense in the timeline. Yeah. And then there could be a whole episode about why his middle name is just Dave. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. Uh, and then just going off of what we were talking about actually earlier, I would love, like Jennifer was suggesting, to see some Cassian as spy. Yeah. I'd love to see the mission where he picks up K2SO, and I think that could be uh, mm-hmm. wrapped up into Rebels. Yeah. Help tell the story. Mm, I think that they're going to bring somebody exciting. K2SO, I think, would be really fun. Yeah. I think the humor that he brings, mm-hmm. why not? So that's my vote. Yeah. Uh, Cassian's my, K2SO would be great. Cassian's my answer, too. I just want to see him in the Han Solo movie. I want to see Diego Luna get a chance to do it again on a big screen. Jin, Jin would be fine, too, for me if she shows up in a Han Solo movie. But as it comes to, to Rebels, Cassian makes some sense. They're going to Yavin 4. So yeah. we're going to see some oh, stuff there. But right. it, because of the time frame, because we might get the Emperor and all that kind of stuff, we've seen Tarkin in other forms. But you know what? Throw Galen Erso and Krennic in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know? Krennic. Some Maybe sweet Krennic, Krennic action would be great. Would be great. Yeah. Maybe yeah. something's going on there. Some sweet Krennic action, as Joseph <laughs> says. I love that. But uh, I think Cassian is, is still probably my number one answer as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the question, Thomas. Thanks for the question, uh, Nathan, and everyone else reaching out on Twitter and on Patreon. We really appreciate it. That is the show for the day and today. Uh, the big show for the 40th anniversary databank brawl is coming up. You can follow us on Twitter as we reach for 2,000 uh, followers. You can follow us at Force Center Pod on Facebook, the official Force Center Facebook page. 1,000 likes is our goal. Like us there. We're on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review there. And Joseph Patreon, we're uh, we're up and running with that. It's going well. Yeah, it's going really great. Thank you for all of your support. We broke our first goal very quickly. Uh, our recording schedule, we get a little ahead of ourselves, so we'll see where we are when this uh, this one lands. But uh, please do think of checking it out. You get access to a bonus patron-only episode called Finish the Fan Fiction. You can find that at patreon.com slash force center. Jennifer Landa, it's so good to have you here as always. Always uh, adding to a very uh, fun yet deep conversation. You can be followed at Jennifer Landa. You do a lot of cool things. Yeah, you can follow me on all the social media sites. I will be your force ghost. You could be my force ghost (laughs) at Jennifer Landa. And Joseph Scrimshaw, as always, comedy shows in the works. Funny things you can purchase, books you've written. you got a lot going on. Yeah, books, comedy albums. I do too much. I have problems. <laughs> uh, you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to me on Anchor. In particular, you can find all my stuff at josephscrimshot.com. On Thursday, May 25th, I'm releasing a special episode of my podcast, Obsessed, that is specifically about New Hope uh, for the 40th anniversary. So check that out. Absolutely. Follow me at Ken Napsuck. And Daily Thrones is my show on Anchor. Headcanon is Joseph there. Get on the Anchor app. It's new. It's big. It's flashy. It's flashy. We love being a part of it. That is it for now. So for life, for death, and for all the characters who have gone into the great unknown in the Star Wars universe, that's the show for today. We'll see you. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.